Hello and welcome to episode 151 of In The Move Podcast. I'm Cal. <laughs> <laughs> There's three of us, so I was just waiting there. I was thinking quite sweetly. Oh, when shall I mention that it's the hottest day of the year and I'm sat here drinking a homemade frappe. Uh, but, um, it's an iced yeah. frappe. Wow. Yep. Apparently, I've got a Dolce Gusto machine. You can turn it right to make it go hot or left to make it go cold. It's absolutely disgusting unless you put milk in. The frappes, I can just, I can, um, even though it actually technically is a frappe cafe au lait, and I had to add extra lait. That's probably the most um, pretentious thing I've ever said in the podcast. Oh, but you can't get in, you can't get enough lays. Let's be honest. It's not pretentious. <laughs> it's the most Greek thing you've said in the podcast. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, especially when today here it's been a radiant, gloomy, and cloudy day. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I, d- I, I was going to say I've never mentioned bankruptcy on the podcast. <laughs> don't don't talk about that. Please let this wing oh, go. God. Please, please don't. <laughs> get, you know, get your I, get your sixty euros out, Irene. Yeah, no. I just want, uh, I, I just yeah. want to say that, that the only the only thing I'll say about it is that this morning I just happened to catch Radio One's news headline, and they're they're so dumbed down for teenagers that the way they described it was that Greece had borrowed a lot of money and had failed to pay back some of it. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, that, Seriously, guys? <laughs> Most of it, right? Most of it, yeah. No, it's fair. That's fair. But uh, still, the situation here, is, it's, it's sad. And it's... Anyway, uh, before the week is over, I can't discuss it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm mm. sick of everything. We'll wait until Sunday, see how it goes. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, uh, welcome back, Irini. Mm-hmm. Nice to be back. <laughs> it's great to be back. Is it? Yes. Is it? Has anyone got any news? Um, that's not grim. It's <laughs> not grim. Oh goodness. Oh, oh Lord, Daniela. Did you see Daniela today? I didn't see Daniela because I was driving home while she was losing. <laughs> God. Um, Which is probably a good thing. I love how, in order to big up Heather Watson, uh, the, all the radio stations were describing Daniela, saying that Daniela has pedigree. She's a former world number five. 13 years ago. <laughs> she hasn't been in the top 10, I don't think, since about 2008. I mean, it's. Uh... Not much has changed, though, let's be honest. Yeah. That, you would expect more to have changed since then. Mm. Um. Good luck to England women's football team tonight. Yes, yes. Uh, well done yeah. to Sweden for winning the under-21s last night. Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, They went on penalties. Against who? Portugal, who beat the Germans beautifully 5-0 at the weekend. Lovely. Mm. Um, anyway, film podcast. Film podcast. <laughs> so we, ha- we have some news this week. Um, firstly... Happy 99th birthday to Olivia de Havilland. Whoa. Uh, Still going. Aren't we all? Um, she's outlived her sister. Is she the only cast member of Gone with the Wind left alive? <laughs> she must be. Probably. Unless there were... Were there any kids in it? What about Viv's kid? Oh, I don't know. She's got to be alive. Well, well you never know. Um... 
But yeah, quick shout out, favourite Olivia de Havilland performance, people. The snake hit for <laughs> the win. It's awesome. What about the dark mirror as well? That's so trashy, it's hilarious. But very, very, <laughs> very fun. <laughs> um, next bit of news, we have the Academy um, is sticking to five nominees in Best Picture. They actually had a vote and... Um, the outcome was not to alter the nominees. Good or bad? So they're going back to five? No, they're not. They voted not to go back to five. Well, it's just it's just because they want as many people to watch it as possible. So that if, if in the misguided delusion that people people think if their favourite film is Best Picture nominated, they're more likely to watch it. Yeah. Well. It's... All it is, is it's a marketing exercise so that, so that five more films can put Academy Award nominee for Best Picture on the DVD. But the thing is, though, even if they're going for that kind of film, they're just go- the Academy are just going to nominate mainly indie films anyway now, so it's not really helping anybody. Interstellar didn't get nominated. District no. 9 did. Yeah, but it's been a while since that happened. Yeah. You know, there's not been an animated film nominated since Toy Story 3. Do you see Mad Max doing it this year? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I. No, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it, ha- too, it's it has too the critics. Subversive. I don't know. If one huge blockbuster can do it, it seems like this is the one that... Because of the critical support and all. But we'll see. Hmm. Um, okay, also this week, the Academy have uh, invited 322 people What to join them. <laughs> it's a record amount of invitations. It's usually 100 and something. Yeah. There's been... Um, they've openly come out and said, the President's come out and said... They're trying to president get you of the Academy. Um, that they're trying to normalise it. That was the quote. You're never going to normalise it. And also, why would you want to? If you end up normalising it, you're going to end up with the MTV Awards. <laughs> yeah, but if we're saying, you, you know, we've got to trust yeah, you these wouldn't. people that's, to that's an that's extent. The general they're, not, they're not teenagers, though. Well, no, but but that's the point. I mean, what, uh, why? If you're trying to normalise it, then obviously uh, the, the main demographic that uh, studios go after is teenagers. <laughs> so, why not? Why not just mm. invite every single think, ch- child I, actor slash actor under the age of 25? I think they also mean racially. I think mm. they're just trying to diversify in general. To stop, it, be, to stop it being uh, the average Academy voter being a 62-year-old uh, white man. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. If, if they keep inviting 320 people a year, it is going to change. Well, yeah. But people what's aren't good? living forever. But what to? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where... Mamma Mia gets nominated. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, the media are the part of the, the reason they're kind of like snuffing these films out. You know, the, the Academy can't watch every film. So they watch what's been told to them is good. Well, they watch yeah. what the studios send, quite frankly. Yeah, which is what? The because critics have said it is fairly decent enough well, to be nominated. Yeah, not always though. <laughs> basically, yeah. it's basically each group, each each studio is going to have their slate of about six films that they think because you can't they can't afford to push everything. 
and it's like um, that year where Fox Searchlight had um, uh, they uh, they were, they were going for the Tree of Life in uh, Best Picture. They're going for the Descendants, and then you've only got one more. So uh, and they had Margaret, which they ditched probably rightly. It probably wasn't going to happen. They yeah. ditched Martha Marcy May Marlene. I think both of them were great, and both of them deserved uh, nominations uh, given what they're up against. But they were probably right to push it behind Fastbender for Shane. Uh, because it looked the best bet at the category and what have you, but I mean, Olsen had that was a weaker category that Olsen could have gotten into if they pushed that harder. Mm. Um, okay, so Irene's going to um, regale us with her the many films that she's seen recently, but we're going to keep it uh, to a fairly low number yeah. compared to some of the previous um, roundup she's done in the past. Okay, very fast then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna. Go chronologically. I'm gonna start from the 30s, uh, <laughs> and the two movies that I saw recently that I really, really, really like that I don't know how come I I never saw before. The first is Shanghai Express, the uh, wow. Josef von Sternberg, yes, with Marlon Dietrich, which is lighting. <laughs> Sorry, lighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really like that it's so stylish and beautiful and atmospheric and everything. And the other she's one, she's such she's such a hussy. I've excused the term in it, really. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's it's kind of um, it's very ballsy for the time. It's crazy. You know, Pre cold, you know. Yeah, those are the best ones. I, I prefer that one to um, what's the, the Blue Angel. The Scarlet Empress. Scarlet oh, Empress. oh, Scarlet Empress, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. I've seen the Blue Angel, but I prefer Shanghai Express. I really, really liked it. And, Very fun. Yeah. Uh, I also watched um, The Invisible Man. Have you seen that from 1933? Um, I don't think so. It's no. um, sci-fi horror-y movie. Uh, a scientist finds a way of becoming invisible, but in doing so, he becomes murderously insane. It's with Claude Rains and Gloria Stewart, and it's wow. it's fantastic. It has one of the most amazing, uh, creepy moods that I've seen recently. Fantastic special effects. Uh, you see him becoming invisible and all that. And it's actually really scary. I've found it really scary. You know, the, the kind of funny scary that those kind of movies are. But uh, I really liked it, The Invisible Man. Um, I then I'm gonna go to two uh, early Hitchcocks that I recently saw for the first time. Shame on me for not having seen them before. Um, Young and Innocent and That's Lifeboat. A... No idea lifeboat. why I we went... have to talk. We have to talk about Tallulah Bankhead. Yeah, she's the best. Has anybody been any more diverish <laughs> in the the face of a crisis? <laughs> in weirdest circumstances ever. <laughs> She's it's insane. Well, the thing is, why is she lead? Just because she was the first person on the boat. But what are you saying? She's supporting. Yeah, it's an ensemble, surely. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. She's the only woman in it. But yeah, no, she's not the only woman. There are two more women. Yeah. Oh, the one with the baby. The one with she's the baby one that matters and the to uh, nurse. <laughs> she's the. She is the only one that matters. Let's face it. <laughs> Fair enough. Because <laughs> she's an absolute bitch and she loves it. I love it. Every second. Um, what, was the, yeah. what was the line that she said? Um, apparently, when she's shooting Lifeboat, um, 
one of the guys noticed that uh, she wasn't wearing any uh, underwear and um, uh, uh, told Hitchcock about it because uh, she famously did this all the time. And Hitchcock said something on the lines of that he wasn't sure whether it was going to be a costume or a hair and makeup issue. <laughs> <laughs> crazy but obviously famous bisexual uh, as well aren't we all (laughs) (laughs) so points for that too but um she did win new york um critics which was a huge deal at the time Mm. and he got nominated but obviously they didn't think she was good enough or she got bumped out by a lot more famous people than her probably Yeah. yeah How it goes. <laughs> um, okay, so on to the weird stuff. Um, I saw a v- very, very strange movie recently uh, called Anna and the Wolves. I don't know if you've seen that. It's by uh, Carlos Saura, a Spanish director, uh, and it stars. Heard of him. Yeah, it stars Geraldine Chaplin. It's from 1973, the movie. Uh, it's about a woman who goes um, uh, as a. Uh, a governess uh, at a very rich house yes and um, she gets um, entangled with the members of the family over there it's 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 nuts it's it's so energetic and weird and uh, early Almodovarish in a way and then it has flashes of cruelty and brutality that unspeakable of an unspeakable like skin i live in um kind of and then it has like a bit of lars von trier in it it's the craziest thing it's a very very strange movie you have to see it to believe it uh it's called anna and the wolves and um super weird i don't know how much i like it but i was fascinated by it uh, I think it's it's an interesting one to watch. And then the second craziest movie I have saw recently is a Chinese movie. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunters. <laughs> no. Which was on last night, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> is it any good? Is it better than Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Um, that's exactly what I was thinking, how um, Dominic... Oh, what's his name? Oh, God. It, it's just such a poor actor, I can't even think of his name. West? No, no. Um, Monaghan. No, oh, he's the he's the lad who was in um, Tomorrow Drew. I've no idea. Not a clue. Has it got a worse performance in it than James Spader in Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> or, or one more out of tone with the rest of the movie? <laughs> um. Yeah. Sorry. Cooper. Okay. Dominic Cooper. Oh. Oh yes. Of course. So forgettable. Hmm. Mm. Okay, so the other crazy, crazy movie uh, that I think I have to bring up, it's uh, mandatory, is a, uh, it's called A Chinese Ghost Story, and uh, it's a 1987 movie with Leslie Cheung, which is the main reason yeah, I I've heard of it. downloaded it, yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a compilation of uh, strange Chinese folk tales with uh, him in the center of them as um, the poor um, uh, worker who uh, gets mixed in all the crazy circumstances. Um, it's a very um, culty movie, 
I don't know how to describe it. It's it's a lot of fun. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it's so much fun, and the visuals are so ridiculous and so enjoyable. Uh, I really, really it like like Evil it. Dead kind of. Uh, like, is it yes, silly? Yes, or is yes. It scary? No, it's super silly. It's super silly, and uh, it's uh, super mystical and super silly at the same time. It's really a lot of fun. Yes, Evil Dead would be a good comparison. It's not as uh, gory as that. But um, the craziness is up there. Yeah, it's really fun. A Chinese ghost story. And from what I saw, there are about two or three sequels. But um, none of them seems uh, to be equally crazy or uh, interesting. So uh, I've only seen this one for now. Um, Okay, then... uh, Back to something um, more um, uh, basic—not basic, traditional. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I went to a Mike uh, retrospective and I saw it was a uh, five-day, uh, five movies back to back to back. Couldn't do five Mike Lee movies back to back to back, but I did three. Yeah. And uh, the one that I saw that I hadn't seen before was *Career Girls*, uh, which have you seen it? Very long time ago. I haven't seen I it. I really, really like this. I saw it back to back with um, uh, Secret and Lies and Naked, and it's the one that stood out. And oh, uh, grief! What? <laughs> Sorry, just seeing those two back to back. I mean, the yes, two most no, depressing it, ones. Yes, it was. It was uh, so bad. But it was not bad. It was great, but it was <laughs> so sad. But I had seen the Career Girls first, and it. I kept thinking about it through the others i really liked it it's it's not as um heavy it's um sweeter and it's uh, it's a very simple story but it's uh, it's really it's really good really really strong and amazing amazing performances i liked it very much i think uh, i don't is it leslie manville no it's katrine um, carthage yes and uh, linda uh. linda steadman i think um it, uh, it's not his best like it's not the most impressive thing he's done but i think it might be my favorite i i really fell for this movie um Mm. and then i picked um three movies uh which i call um fake 2015 movies you know uh movies that were released in 2014 in their countries but uh are only now just now making it uh to us um, this will come into play later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, but these are fake 2015, so they don't count. Uh, okay, so the first one is uh, called Felix and Mayra. It's a Canadian movie. Uh, it's. Uh, did you ever see Fill the Void, the Israeli... Um... Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay, so the girl from that, the lead from that is the lead in this one, which is the main Ooh. reason that I... Um... Hadas Yaron. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's uh, it's a very, very sweet romance between her, who plays again a character who lives in a very strict Hasidic community, and um, a guy who is uh, from a very uh, powerful uh, business, uh, you know, environment, who uh, they find each other in a strange way, and they make a connection, a very um, small and sweet connection. It's a really simple and cute romance but um it's 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 very beautiful i really really liked it and uh very low-key and uh just 
sweet and nice. It uh, it's a 2014 movie from Canada, but I think that it's I saw it uh, in March, and uh, from what I've seen, it's going around now. It's playing in um, several countries now, so keep an eye open for cool. that. And uh, the other one, fake 2015 movie, is um, Get the Trial of Vivian Amsalem, which looks like the most boring movie ever. I know. It's got a terrible title. Yes, it is a terrible title, but the actual movie is amazing. It's uh, the whole movie set inside a courtroom. It's this woman who wants to uh, get a divorce from her husband, and um, but the thing is that uh, it's um, uh, uh, the church. Um, the, you have to uh, get a get, don't you, in order to do it. What? Isn't that what it actually is, the thing that you have to get in order to get the divorce? You have to get a Yes, get. yes. You have the, the, the judges from the church, they have to agree to give you the divorce. Uh, so um, it's the woman, she goes to the court and she says, I want to get a divorce from my husband. Her husband goes and sits there and, there and he won't speak. He won't open his mouth, literally. So the judges cannot give her the divorce. And she keeps going back week after week after week. They go and she keeps asking for the divorce and the husband does not talk and it's 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 you know the proceed does she not hit him uh, what something? wouldn't you just hit him after a while you want to i wanted to from the audience i wanted to throw stuff on the screen uh it's the procedure is so strict and uh claustrophobic and it's 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 very very strange but it's a very entertaining movie i really liked it and um Living uh, after I saw it, I was very intrigued because I hadn't seen a movie like that before, where they keep, uh, you know, they they keep alluding to stuff from their shared life, but you never see anything, and you 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 have to construct everything from what you hear from the depositions that they give, because all you see are the depositions. And after uh, coming back home from the cinema, I found out that this is actually the third part in a trilogy. The first movie was the uh, marriage, the second was a scene in the marriage, and this is a divorce. Uh, so everything that seemed to be missing uh, was actually there in the previous movies, but I enjoyed it. But that, that could be good, though, because then you could see the other two yeah and see how it compares to what you would imagine but i enjoyed know? it so so much i will probably go back and see the other two but this one is on its own it's really strong it's really really interesting and uh yeah weird movie i really liked it i think it's very interesting and it doesn't look interesting though so that's that's why i really wanted to bring it up it got the um, Globe nomination. Didn't yeah, it, yeah, film. Mm. yeah. It's good. It's good. <laughs> okay, and cool. the last one. It is a 2015 movie. Uh, it's uh, an American. I think it's American uh, indie. Indie. It's called Spring, and it's uh, like a supernatural version of before of the before movies it's a man who goes to italy he wants to escape his life in america and he goes to italy and he meets a woman and they start walking and talking in the italian countryside and it's then godfather some... oh. <laughs> and then some supernatural stuff happens i don't want to spoil it because i didn't know what was what was going to happen and it's 
it's so surprising and it's so unexpected to see that kind of stuff in that kind of movie and yet it makes so much sense uh, in the way that it explains everything and puts everything together it's very mm-hmm. very beautiful because the whole movie is shot you know in a beautiful Ita- Italian villages and stuff uh, and then you have this um, again if the evil deadish um, comparison could be used here as well uh, you have these weird gory moments and uh, it's so strange and it's so so interesting it's 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 a very tiny movie but uh it's beautiful is it available uh, yeah yeah i think it is hmm uh, i think it is online i i saw it online uh, a couple of months ago uh so i think that you should give it a try it's it's very very strange but it's uh, it's it's something that i hadn't seen before these two so different and disparate genres mash up like that. I really liked it. Cool. Good, good. So that's what I have. Ten movies. Good. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, preconceptions? Right. This week we're doing The Longest Ride, a Minions, a pigeon sat on a branch contemplating existence. Reflecting Tim- on two. existence. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's funny that way. Okay. Um, preconceptions for Longest Ride, Pete. Longest Ride, Nicholas Sparks. Terrible trailer. It looks like uh, the formulaic notebook uh, cross uh, generational narrative between now and the 40s. It looks cheesy. It looks manipulative. It looks like a steaming pile of horse manure on the side of the road <laughs> that you wouldn't stop if it crashed. Boom. Boom. Irene? Uh, no real preconceptions. Um, well, I have to say that I had seen that photo of um, Scott Eastwood, is it? Yeah. Uh, well, that's all you need, a photo. Yeah, I had seen his photo and, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm positively... Uh, that was a positive. Intrigued. But, uh, yeah, not much else. I'm not very interested in the the Sparks movies. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw Safe Haven, and that was bloody awful. So, I was <laughs> obviously, that was concerning Nicholas Sparks, which is teen girl territory. Um, I have not seen all of The Notebook. Oh. Shame on you. So, so, I, <laughs> so I do not. Oh, you didn't get to the to completely non-manipulative end, then? No, I did. I've seen <laughs> maybe half an hour in total, and not in one section. No, right. So, which is probably criminal, but, um, so I didn't know what to expect, kind of, I didn't have that experience of the structure, you know, the mm-hmm. the older couple, younger couple structure. Mm. Um, it did look insipid from the trailer. I didn't like the woman in it from Tomorrowland. I thought she was a bit annoying. Britt Robertson. Yeah. Oh, really? She's so, in it? Wow. She's the lead. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... Clint Eastwood's son. Mm-hmm. I've not seen him in anything. But you had seen um, the photos. Want, but you want to. But you want to now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it later. Okay. Uh, minions. I hadn't seen uh, any of the previous ones, the Minions, but everyone says that they themselves are the highlight of the Despicable Me films. So that would have been a reason to go, but I didn't go. 
because there are quite a few films that I'd rather have seen this week. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Minions are not the highlight of the uh, uh, Despicable Me films for me. Um, so I wasn't necessarily in looking forward to this the way that, that I would have looked forward to uh, the Penguins of Madagascar, where I'm not in love with the films, but uh, I do love the uh, Penguins. With this, it's, it's uh, more, I think the Despicable Me films are better than uh, uh, the Madagascar films, but uh, I think the uh, Penguins are much better than the Minions. So hmm. I was I was going in think, with uh, expecting it to be okay, but just relying on the cuteness of uh, finding everything that the Minions do cute and hilarious. Okay. Yeah, um, I've seen the previous two. They're okay. I'm. The minions are the best part of the movies for me, but uh, I'm still afraid to go for the full two hours of it. Mm. Okay. Um, Pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. Irene, you've already seen it, so... Yeah, and... What were your preconceptions before you did see it? I had seen his previous uh, movies, uh, Roy Anderson's, and I knew that it wasn't my type of movie. Um, so I was expecting more of the same, but, um, well, I saw it in Venice last year, and when I saw it, I was, ex- before I saw it, I was expecting it to be the, uh, the winner of the festival, which turned out to be. Um, well done. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I had seen his previous movies, and I, I, I can see what he does, and I can see that there is an audience for that, but it's just not my kind of thing. Mm. I uh, once tried to watch... Um, somebody showed me a clip from You the Living, I think it was. The the wedding sequence? And the boat? I don't remember. I think oh. it was a car or something. Um, yeah. It involved travel. Yeah, okay, least. the boat, yeah. Um, and uh, all it did was make put me off seeing the film. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, they said it's great the whole film's like this I was like really I'm not watching it uh, <laughs> so I've never been t- <laughs> speed three yeah I've never been tempted by Roy Anderson at all although uh, if I was ever going to go for one I'd go for a Swedish love story yeah that's that's completely different than the others that's mm. a different kind of movie I had not seen any Roy Anderson films anything from a Roy Anderson film so I was going into this blindly, knowing that it had won Venice. Um, and I didn't really know. I, I thought it was going to be quirky, but I didn't know in what way. And I hadn't you... seen any material. All right, I would have expected it to be episodic. That's just, it would have been a preconception. Okay, that wasn't really in my head, but mm. it is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about Timbuktu? I saw this. Anyone? Did you, either of you have any preconceptions about Timbuktu? Knew nothing about it. I've seen the trailer, which looks uh, really good, but I haven't had the time to see it yet. Okay, I knew it was Sissako, and I thought Bamako was interesting, if a little dull. So I was hoping that this was going to be a bit more engaging. Um, the game engaging. The game, yeah. Well, that'll do. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting it to be much gayness, considering it was set in Timbuktu, but, you know. You can, you can live and dream. You can live and dream. <laughs> um, Scott, can Scott Eastwood get a flight out there? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I knew it got the nomination, I knew it had good reviews, so that was um, 
That was the preconception. She's funny that way. Uh, I knew it was Bogdanovich. knew it was Aniston. I think I knew once upon a time it was Boots. Um, I assumed it was just going to be some sort of old-fashioned um, throwback, um, quirky comedy thing. Okay. Um, I saw it again in Venice last year. I, the only thing I knew is that it looked fun, and you need fun in a festival when you have, you know, all the um, heavy dramas. So this looked light and fun, and that's all I knew, nothing more. Okay. If I'd gone to Venice, which I wish I had... Mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> Where's Perry Cornwall when you need him? Um, I, I w- This would have been my most anticipated... Because um, I watched They All Laughed, the Bogdanovich film from the 80s, and I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paper Moon's really, really good. So he, as a director, is a real plus for me. So I was expecting, I was hoping this was going to be good. Um, I knew that Aniston was in it. I'd forgotten Poots was in it. Mm. Uh, but Aniston's a plus. The only negative thing about Bogdanovich, really, is that whenever you get those Hitchcock DVDs, have the extras and all these like little like twenty minute documentaries on Hitchcock. It's always him just picking up. Oh yes, me and Hitch we were just all best mates and BFFs for life. And just like shut up, okay, we get it. <laughs> yeah, but he's way younger than Hitch, isn't he? Mm. Well, Hitchcock liked uh, people who kissed his ass. <laughs> Hello, <Ooh>. Trufo. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay. <laughs> Where are we? Okay. The longest ride. The longest opening. The longest opening has uh, preceded, um, not preceded, succeeded by the longest ride. So the longest ride is set in North California, and it is about a girl played by Britt Robertson, who lives in a sorority. Uh, Full of girls who don't know anybody who wouldn't have an affair with a cowboy. <laughs> It's not exactly so undercover sorority. <laughs> if only. Um, and she hasn't got somebody looking out for her well-being as much as Miley would. But... And she's not on the lookout to bust a drug swing in, se- in said sorority. <laughs> Who is that? Um, Jeremy Piven. Is it Jeremy Piven? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. No, so there's none of that. Um, she gets taken to a uh, kind of bullfighting arena by her pals. And there, there is a bullfighter named Luke, who is Scott Eastwood. And he impresses her with his booking skills. Of course. Um, they Did he out... last more than seven, eight seconds? <laughs> that's what they aim well, that's for. All you, that's all you have to. It's, <laughs> if only we all had to attain to that standard. <laughs> It would, have, it would have made my life far less full of complaints <laughs> and bitter disappointment. Oh dear. Okay. Um, so they go out on a date. It goes really well until she mentions that she's moving to New York to do an internship at an art gallery. What's wrong so, with that sentence for him? New York, North Carolina, New York. Not the art gallery. It might be later, if you hold on. I thought, but, isn't, isn't he the art gallery? Yeah. <laughs> He's the sculpture wing of the art gallery. Mm. 
Um, so anyway, so he's not happy with that. They're on the way back in the car and they come across a car that has crashed into a tree. In it is Alan Alder. Isn't he always? <laughs> uh, Eastwood carries Alan Alder from the burning car. Does he do and... it shirtlessly? No, but he does have a pla- something plaid and very complimentary. Um, <laughs> it, and... work- it works for you regardless. <laughs> As Alan Alder is being carried out, he c- kind of signals to Britt Robertson... Um, to fetch a box from his car. He's going, get the box, get the box. Car's on fire. She just about gets it before it's blown to smithereens, the car. Um, but anyway. the screenplay. <laughs> it was a better car crash sequence than Age of Adeline. <laughs> well, that, that just means it was a car, that just means it was a car crash sequence. That was, but that was a car crash film. <laughs> Um, and so anyway, they're off to the hospital. It turns out that in this box is a series of love letters that Alan Alder sent to his love of his life, sweetheart. Um, Britt Robertson reads the letters to him as he is in his hospital bed and the film flashes back to his life while intercutting between the romance between the two young lovers in the present. Right. Now, at the risk of sounding like a complete sap, this is kind of lovely. Mm-hmm. And it made me cry. Aww. Well, that's the manipulation. That's sparks. There was a degree of manipulation to it, but I do think it does enough right to be to an okay it. film. Mm. Because it's like, I do feel a bit like I've been suckered in, the fact that I don't dislike this. But it does a decent job of creating like parallels between the two sides. So you've got like, I mean, maybe the parallels are a bit obvious, but you've got like the modern story. Basically, both women are art lovers, but in different ways. So you've got flashback to the 40s where you've got kind of the movement, the art movement starting to go in a more modern, um, kind of a more quirky direction. And you've got um, Alan Alder's missus kind of, you know, uh, falling in love with that for the first time as it's happening. Where you've got um, Britt Robertson in the present, who's kind of like um, in a time where we're kind of appreciating contemporary art. It's more established and it's just, it's sort of like, it's an interesting parallel between the two worlds. Like how we take it for granted now, whereas back then it was just as it was and people didn't really question it. Um, but, and it's also got like issues with art versus commerce, which is good. And it obviously comes, comes onto the art side of things. Um, it's not like profound or anything, but it's like, it's something that thoughtful that you wouldn't think would be in that kind of film. I feel like Kanye at Glastonbury. Uh, (laughs) Did you watch that? (laughs) I watched the first two song and a half and just turned off in hilarious disgust. It was just... It was a bit shoddy, wasn't it? Apparently he tried to cover Bohemian Rhapsody and it was atrocious. That's all I've been told. Did you see the invasion? I heard about it after the fact. Yeah. He had to restart the song. Oh dear. Yeah, because that's because he's a serious artist. 
who can't sing in tune on his own records. <laughs> Even when Paul McCartney's playing the guitar, <laughs> injured. I can't believe Kanye West made it into the in a digression into the whitest film <laughs> we've ever done on the podcast. That's because uh, he's the greatest cowboy of all time, living greatest <laughs> living cowboy ever. No, that would be Scott Eastwood. Actually, I can't Ooh. say that because Clint Eastwood. That would that's a burn on Clint Eastwood, isn't it? Well, is Clint the... Eastwood a cowboy? Well, he was in quite a few films. Um, the acting is surprisingly good. Robertson and Eastwood are kind of adequate, I would say. But you've got Una Chaplin um, in the flashbacks. It's Alan Alda's uh, love interest. Um, young Alan Alda's love interest. And young Alan Alda's played by Jack Houston. And Jack Houston is great in this. Hmm. Because you get these... I mean, you've got like these angsty, cl- a bit cliched issues between the couple. Like, they can't have children. And, you know, it's not exactly detailed. Um, the problems that they have but it's quite touching and it's acted so well in Houston when he, she leaves him at one point and he's like a broken man and it's sort of like shades of Re- um, Clark Gable in Gone with the Wind wow. I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say shades of me uh, in, in the in between the Mourinho years in the t- <laughs> in the early 2000s oh god in heaven and hell um, yeah, but this is, you know how um, when Rhett Butler's like, before they have that, before he carries her off to bed and he's just completely frustrated and just taught, like, broken um, when he gets drunk. Do you know the scene I mean? Mm. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. like shades, kind of like shades of that. He's, he's like really devastating. You can tell that he really feels for him. He just doesn't know what to do and is at the end of his tether. Mm. And that really makes a difference in a film like this, which has quite, you know, kind of standard story beats in general. You can say that's just me and Benitez, you guys at Chelsea. <laughs> can map your turmoil through Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Um, I like how it's edited. Um, I think just it's sort of like... You're interested in both stories to a point and you're just about fed up of watching one of them when it switches to the other. So I think it's a functional editing piece. It works. It doesn't really get bogged down and considering it's over two hours, it really should. Much like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then it's got the Nicholas Sparks stuff. It's got some of its ludicrous. The dialogues can be insipid. The first time they meet, she offers to buy him a drink because he's done so well with the bullfighting. And he says, uh, oh, that doesn't happen that way around from where I come from. Okay. So it's hardly like progressive gender politics that like he won't even accept a drink from her. Um, it... And what? No, I was going to no, make a comment about Dan Lane and Richard Gere in a house, but uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the rest of with it, you know, it's kind of the art lover versus the farm boy and he just thinks it's all bullshit. And um, that was just a way too simplistic way of creating conflict between them. But I think this is good enough to be just about average, so I'm giving it a C+. Oh, nice. 
You intrigued me. That's and a, there's always that, Scott. That's, there's that's, always that Scott. sounds like a Nicholas Sparks line. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of a relationship. <laughs> uh, minions. Right. The Minions movie begins at the beginning of time, where apparently the only uh, on the, on the seventh day God didn't rest. He gave a god awful voiceover for Jeffrey Rush to read, <laughs> and um, <laughs> the Minions have been details. Oh, does it detail how many uh, despicable uh, creatures and characters the Minions have been serving down the years because it's their duty to serve? It's it's. <laughs> It's almost as if they play tennis, it's just their duty to serve. And uh... That's the podcast title. <laughs> <laughs> so and... the, hold on, the minions are as old as time then? Yes, they, they start off by serving dinosaurs. Uh, then, and then... So how do they survive the Ice Age? They just survive. They're, they're like um, Mickey Rooney. <laughs> 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 it's, just, it's just not going anywhere, like barnacled onto the face of this earth. And uh, hold on, didn't he die? Yeah, well, eventually, yeah. <laughs> we can live and dream that a million to too. Um, so after after finally um, uh, finding an icy uh, tomb to to uh, escape to uh, in the least Superman two of ways. Um, they uh, get bored and then send three of the minions out to try and find someone despicable for them to serve because there's no one to serve it's just almost as if it's a dinner party and there's no one there and they eventually uh, find their way to these three little minions find their way to uh, New York in the mid 60s where as a villain convention um, of some description uh, they come across Scarlet Overkill who is uh, voiced oh isn't she voiced by Sandra Bullock Hmm. Oh, Oscar winner, of course. Oscar winner and, probably got five and, mil for this. And uh, they, the, uh, she says that anybody who can uh, take this jewel from her uh, will, uh, will will get a job um, in her evil shenaniganry. And um, yeah, I just made that word up. Well, with it. <laughs> um, and uh, the minions accidentally do it, and so then they become uh, in, in tw- intertwined with Miss Overkill and her evil plans. To so steal this... in the in the in a completely never before done least naked gun of ways to steal the queen's crown jewels. Ooh. Oh my god, it's <laughs> pirates again. We're back to pirates. Is so? Hold on. Am I right in thinking that the minions are the henchmen of the evil person in Despicable Me? Yeah, there's yeah. like loads of like dozens and dozens of these little uh, yellow things that go around, just like, really just like not be. Talking gibberish and uh, uh, not not re- and just messing everything up, which is pretty much the movie. <laughs> so there's no dialogue; it's all just sounds. Then it's, it's like it'll be, it'll be like little bits of Spanish, the odd occasional name, um, that sort of thing. So, but really, it's just uh, unintelligible gobbledygook. Okay, so is it? On the par, is it on the level of Despicable Me, one and two? It's on the level of this doing part of Horseman Your I was talking about earlier. Um, it's just absolutely atrocious. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to give it the dignity of swearing in describing it. It's just one of the biggest unfunny chores of a film I've ever seen. Aww. It's just, it's just, 
it, it just completely relies on you finding them just saying all this stuff in non nonsense uh, amusing it finds it's, it's like physical jokes and stuff the or... occasional bit of slapstickiness yes and then it's just it's just designed for the for the um, intellect of a four year old child and written with the intellect of a four year old child it's mm. um, incredibly poor but surely th- is there not some kind of story around them the story around them is that um, uh, Sandra Bullock wants to steal the uh, uh, Queen's crown and um, in trying to do so, the uh, minions act- uh, accident, uh, end up uh, becoming the, uh, the King of England. And then they are ab- trying to forcefully abdicate to, uh, for, so that um, Bullock can get in and then they don't want to and she's going to kill everyone and blah, 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 blah. It's, re- it's, just, it's just relentlessly underwhelming and um, it's just, yeah. Oh, it's it's like uh, Kelly Reichardt should have made it. <laughs> would, would, would would have had more laughs. God. Uh, well, she didn't even have the uh, payoff scene in uh, Night Moves. God. Don't mind me, uh, Night Moves. Oh. Okay, yeah. great, great on Minions. Two out of ten. Oh my god! Is it worse than Lego Movie? It's on about. It's not as obnoxious as that, but it's 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 just it's it's beyond poor. And there's only there's only a little bit of amusement with this sort of uh, with the uh, Queen uh, when she was young, but that's about it. Which like they 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 come across her in a pub, and she's just like whinging that these little yellow gits have stolen her crown. It's mildly amusing. That's it. Okay. Hmm. Oh dear. All right. The, um, the things I do for the podcast. The things. <laughs> so next we have a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. Yeah. Now, does this have a plot already? Do we, can we? Uh, it's about the human existence. It's a, it's there's a title at the beginning of the movie saying the final part of a trilogy about the human existence. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let it's me guess, this... there is no trilogy, and it's just a film. <laughs> <laughs> this is part. This is part three, isn't it? It is part three. Yeah. First is uh, songs from the second floor, and then it's uh, you the living. Okay. Now, but you've seen those two films. I've right? seen those two films. Uh, I did not like. I mean, I can. You hold on. I've seen you get. You've given that four. Wait, stars. wait. I I've did not that. like the first two movies. It's it's the same. It's the same movie. It's the same movie in different settings in different circumstances but what happens is pretty much the same and you know the way everything happens it's is random. pretty much the same yeah i liked pigeon uh, better than both of the others um after watching pigeon i rewatched the other two and uh, they did um i, I was um warmer towards them but um uh, you know it's weird uh here in Greece, uh, Roy Anderson is like a god. I don't know why, <laughs> why uh, we are so not me, but we are so fond of uh, his uh, weird humor. But he doesn't uh, pay back his debts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's it, not 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 adoring him is the unpopular opinion, and uh, I never really liked yeah, him. He... 
Mm-hmm. Is that because he can take out 120 uh, euros a day? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. We're so, we're so cruel. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> no, but I I mean, I pers- count me in the unpopular section. I mean, okay. I, I didn't... I didn't dislike the film. I think it's three star stuff. Oh God, you sound like me now. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't dislike it. <laughs> I'm um, making apologies, but it's like basically it's sort of this three stories of death in the film. There's three settings, all of which surround death, but that's and it just keeps the intercutting between the three settings. So it's a natural companion piece for the Fountain, then. But there's only three set. There's only three settings in the film. No, Marini, right? No, it's not. Yeah. No, three settings. It's just before the opening credits. Then you have a lot of stories. You have the uh, salesman. You have the ballerina. You have the. Uh, but they're all in the same. They're all in the same. The sets are pretty similar. Well, for each. the sets are very super minimalistic and stuff. It's not the same. No, no, no. It's not the same sets. Um, and you have uh, there are a number of scenes in the bar. Yeah, there's the bar, but then you have the uh, the house where there's the... a number of scenes of the cruise ship. I think it's supposed to be different things of the ship, different rooms in the ship. No, 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 no. I don't think it's like that, because then you have the mm. bar. The you have a lotus bar, the uh, where they have the song, and then you have the bar yeah. with the king, and then you have the salesmen who go around in different places, and then you have the, um, all those people. I thought the king. I thought the king was supposed to be on the ship, along with the um, guy who dies. You know, what, I really bet that because it's got portholes. I really bet when Roy Anderson was was writing this film. He was thinking, you know what, I really hope that I'd make it just ambiguous enough that people can actually argue as to whether it's set in three places or not. It's on a bloody ship. <laughs> it's not on a ship. It's he's he's there at home thinking, there's a, yes! There's yes. on a cruise ship <laughs> Job in done. Film. It's not, no, it is not. I'm telling you, watch it again. I, I've seen it She's twice. She's already seen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on a ship. Okay. Why, well, I, but I'm very... I don't know. There are port. There are portholes. When the guy who has a heart attack, okay, is on a sh- is on a ship. Uh, I will tell you that again. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay, I don't remember that guy, <laughs> but I believe you. But the, 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 king, the, comparis- the, the king. The king. The king is on the I've road got... the, outside with the, the the bar where the king is. There's the road where the parade. And then you have the the scene with uh, the uh, the fire at the end. It's a different place. To Rebecca now. <laughs> kind of. It's a lot of things. I would say it's kind of Bunuel meets Wes Anderson. Uh, yeah, oh but God. without the, the c- but without the soul. <laughs> without the soul. Yeah. And the thing is that Wes Anderson. I think the production design in this film is great. Mm. Um, it's it's yeah, a so many port- like- so many portholes. <laughs> <laughs> it's aloof like Wes Anderson's films. Yeah, but. It's too aloof. I think there's too many long shots. The camera um, the doesn't camera move once. Will not move. It doesn't move this once. No. Drives me crazy. <laughs> but drives look, me crazy. It's very impressive. Move the camera. Yeah, I, I want him. Uh, it's it's very very impressive what he does and how he's the, the depth of the scenes that he stages without moving the camera. Yeah. That's it's choreographed very very well. That's fantastic. And he wants to draw your attention yeah. and make you explore every inch of the scene. Yeah, especially but at the same the, time it uh, takes it away scene. from. Yeah, but I think at the same time it takes you away from the human 
decisions, the consciousness of the human decisions. That's the whole point. Because he's so... Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's standing so far back from it and he wants to put you in that position. And he wants to say, look how ridiculous this Mm. is and how people are acting. I think that, yeah, but to an extent, I think there's only so much you can get from that. And I eventually I kind of found it a bit flat and tiring. Yeah. Much much like listening to you two talk about it. <laughs> go, go back to your mid Mourinho days. Yes, yeah. For, for, where's where's uh, Fish Boas when you need him? <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, it, it's it's. I think there are definite things I liked. I thought the handbag, the woman with the handbag in the hospital yeah. bed, was hilarious. <laughs> Um, um, I love the I love the song uh, and uh, Carlotta's bar the uh, with the kisses and the drinks. I love yeah. that scene. I love the the, the king scene. Um, and yeah, I I the, the whole the the randomness of the whole thing. It's so unusual, but uh, yeah. it it think... it does get tiring. It's uh, it's it does get quite exhausting after a certain point. But uh, I think that I think it's a good. Um, it's much more accessible than the other two. The other two are even weirder. Um, so I think that this one is the most um, soft around the really? edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's why I like this one the most. Um, but um, yeah. I th- yeah, I think it's I- an interesting movie. I think uh, I, it's good to give it a try, even if it's completely not your style, and it's completely not my style. Yeah, I can see. I would say give it a try if you've got patience. Yeah, you need patience to watch this film, <laughs> or just maybe even give a try and you know, like go and watch separate scenes because there are so amazing, just standalone as scenes. Yeah, you don't have to watch yeah. a short, a short yeah, film. Yeah, a short even. film. It might be yeah, a lot yeah, better. Yeah. Um, I would give it a C plus, and B and B I'm almost B minus, but I think I need to watch it again to get more out of it. No, it's an eight out of ten for me because it's I I am really impressed by it. I can't say I like it, but I'm very very impressed by it. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I will be brief with Timbuktu. I'll be brief with Timbuktu. Okay. Timbuktu is about a castle herder and his family who uh, reside in the dunes of Timbuktu. Um, there is a jihadist kind Isn't of always? troop. Isn't there always? Well, yeah. <laughs> troop um, close by, but they're kind of largely on the outskirts of it. But one day, one of the family's many cows is killed by an unruly fisherman, prompting the father of the family to act. And this sets in place a tragic set of circumstances. And basically, it's a commentary on jihadism, but it's not an assault on it. So he's respectful of not attacking it. Um... It's sort of like you get... The... Unlike the average jihadist. <laughs> Where to go diplomacy. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, I, d- I don't think diplomacy applies. In <laughs> There's like this crimes like playing football. Don't do any Benitez jokes, please. Pl- playing football is a crime. <laughs> Listening to no, music that's Lee Cat- no, that's Lee Catamol, son. That's Lee Catamol. <laughs> <laughs> Get away. <laughs> Uh, not wearing gloves. If you're a woman, you've got to wear gloves, otherwise it's a crime. And you're like, gloves. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> they were. Oh, for- you're like, oh, for God's sake, you know, this is ridiculous. I mean, what can people do? So, this is what it mainly comments on. It's kind of like, this is a sense of righteousness. God is everything. Fate is everything. You know, if it's God's will, people don't mind dying, if it's going to be for a good cause. Well, newsflash, if you're dead, it's not going to matter. So, sorry, this might be Joe rant of the week. <laughs> um, and it's just the unflinching belief is what Sissako gets across. And even though he doesn't overtly criticise it, you can tell that he's not on its side. And um, it's like if Trier directed this it would be, there would be more tragedy um, involved. It would be more Dancer in the Darkish. It would be Bryce uh, Dallas Howard having sex with a black guy. It it would be more towards that. <laughs> I don't think even, a, I don't think um, Timbuktu's been introduced to that haircut yet. <laughs> but um, it's that's what it gets across. And um, interesting comparison to Court, which is an indeed film um, which is a great Indian film that I'll mention later, but it's basically about the Indian legal system, whereas this portrays the uh, legal system in Timbuktu as basically they just have a really rational conversation. They just say, well, you're probably going to die, but I mean, have you got a wife? Tell us how old your kid, you know, do you believe in this and that? And it's it's sort of where it's not in a farcical way, it's just disturbingly matter-of-fact and the way that death is treated to cows, to humans in general, is just very, very cold and clinical, which is really disturbing. Hmm. But the film is pretty easy to watch for the most part. Yes, sounds it. <laughs> so I'm giving it a B. Hmm. Good stuff. Right, okay. The plot of She's Funny That Way is that Owen Wilson... Is a director. He turns up at a hotel one night, uh, which he's about to uh, embark on a new career of sorts, or a new adventure of sorts. Uh, and uh, while there, he decides that the best thing to do after he's um, taken the mint off his pillow and just um, put a few uh, towels into his bag is to order a prostitute for the evening. And uh, when she comes round, he decides to take her out for a meal before shagging her for cash. Uh, thank you very much, Henry Togner. Uh, see our review of uh, <laughs> Roger Ebert. Go the Togs. <laughs> yeah. And um, then uh, after he's, that, he's done that, he decides to pay her $30,000, never to have sex for money again, which technically she always will be because he's given her 30000 30, to then have sex with blokes for free. But is the transaction elevated by the 30,000? <laughs> is the transaction elevated by the horse and cart ride? Well, always. Well, does, does that describe their trip back from the uh, restaurant or what happened in the bedroom? I don't know. Um, so. We're back to cowboys. Yeah. 
And then the very next day, um, after going to see her, th- her therapist, who gets palmed off on her therapist's uh, daughter, uh, she then decides uh, she's this uh, prostitute is a uh, well, sorry, call girl. Oh, sorry, muse. Escort. Escort. <laughs> Es- escort, escort, escort this Ford Fiesta of a woman <laughs> uh, decides uh, she's a budding actress to get to go to an audition where in a, in a not completely non-written and non-coincidental non-hack job writer kind of way not only is the director the bloke that um, paid her never to have sex for money ever again uh, the uh, casting director is the boyfriend of the of her therapist's daughter, <laughs> who she's seeing. This isn't convoluted at all, <laughs> and I didn't stop after thirty minutes because Imogen poots his voice. Dear God, I could spend a whole hour making a lasagna, and I would not be able to grate cheese the way that she does. In this film, with her, with oh, her we, New York uh, accent, we are going to have words here because I think she completely nails the accent. I agree. So, everything about her performance is just put on uh, to the point that when they will go, oh, when Catherine Hart, oh God bless her, she has to wax lyrical and infuse away Miss Poots's audition. <laughs> Wasn't she great? No, <laughs> didn't believe her for a second. <laughs> Don't believe anything about. Anything in this film for a second. So you didn't get it's to just... the end, huh? No. Uh, hmm. No. Well, well you, you asked well... me to do the plot rundown. I couldn't do that. <laughs> what I would say is, I well, I think I haven't seen her in as many films as Pete has, but I completely thought she immersed herself to the point where I forgot it was even her, and I think she was a breath of fresh air in the film. And really, that's probably it. not hard given how uh-huh. bad the writing is. Well, okay, how the contrivances? How do you think? Because there are contrivances in screwball comedy in general. Well, my, my, what my, about look at Crazy Stupid Love? I and always how many contrivances are in that. I always come back to when Harry met Sally. When it comes to contrivance, uh, uh, when Harry met Sally, there are um, coincidences that like they'll run into each other in a bookstore. They'll both happen to be in the bookstore nine years later. But that's how life works. Uh, it, that is just the device that then kickstarts the rest of the drama. It isn't what all the drama is hinging upon, and that's when contrivance, I think, becomes a problem when it's uh, in a screenplay. When if oh, like it gets into crash syndrome, if the only only way that uh, your screenplay works is because of the contrivances creating the drama, then you've got a problem. Okay. Hmm. It's yeah. It's, I mean, it's like. It's sort of everybody has... It's very sitcom-ish at times. Everybody kind of goes to the same restaurant for dinner. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, really? That's we're where I gave up. That's where five, I gave up. We're talking five couples all go to the same restaurant. Um, I think it's okay when you've got the characters' relationships. So the fact that two of them... Aniston's the therapist to two of them. I think that's fine because... On I its mean, own, it would be fine. But when, when it's just all with everything else where... Um, everything's tied in together, and it's just and it's so self-referential as well. I mean, because it's almost if it knows. Yeah, isn't that better though? I don't know. I think that's even worse because you're, draw, uh, you're drawing even more attention to it. No, I think that both of the things that you find negative that 
her performance, how it seems false and everything seems to be put on and the self-referentiality, if that is a thing. Yeah, it is uh, now. <laughs> We're just making up words this yes. week. Um, I think that both are huge, huge pluses for the movie. And this whole... Um, uh, because I, I, you didn't get to the end. When you get no. to the end, there is... Um, this thing that I don't want to talk about because I think it's a, it's a cameo. Uh, it's a cameo, but it's uh, the most perfect cameo because it puts into perspective everything that you've seen before. It puts into perspective her character, her uh, her outlook on life, and because everything that you see, you see it through her eyes, you hear it through her voice, and uh, it shows you how she sees the world, uh, th- what happens in the end the 30 seconds in the end. And I had a lot of fun during the movie. And then when that came, I appreciated it a hundred times more. You know? So it's like Woody Allen's cameo. In, uh, uh... It, it, <laughs> it's better than Woody Allen. Um, somebody shows up in the last scene of the movie and it's her boyfriend and picks her up from the interview. And uh, it's much, much better than if it was Woody Allen. I, I, it's also the best he's ever been as well. It's also the best he's ever been. I don't. I. I, I think it's fantastic. I can't spoil it. It's. It's too good. Irini's already said to me that she has not listened to last week's episode where we reviewed Accidental Love. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, oh, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> also, screwball s. Yeah. Um. What? How do you think this compares to that? I mean, is this? Because this is a bit more, there's a lot more characters, it's a little bit more... Well, nobody's I... as good as Jessica Biel, are they? Uh, Catherine, I love Catherine Harness. And uh, Jennifer Aniston, I think. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I don't know. Accidental Love, it's not a full movie. It's There's so many stuff. I think Ac- uh, Accidental Love could be a great, great, great movie, but it's not because of what happened to it in the process, and I think you can see it in the final um, result that we have. I think uh, that... You, I don't think you can see it as much as some of some people are trying to make out. You can sense it. It's not a disaster. No, 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 it's not a disaster, but you can see that there's something great in there. Uh, but I think She's Funny That Way is the best version of what it can be uh, for that kind of movie, and um, I think it's perfectly fine for that. What do you think about the uh, framing device with Ileana Douglas asking the questions? Uh, that's where it all leads up to in the end. <laughs> it works. Who? It works in the end. Yeah. It's... I don't know how... I mean, what about the th- as a theatre film? How does it compare to something like Birdman? Cause it sa- some- sounds like the end's better. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's some levels... I mean... V- vaguely misogynistic in times this film, I would say. Yeah, v- but not misogynistic. Like it's more. Um, uh, Lucy punches in this film. Oh, she plays a hooker, Pete. This is what you missed. It's her oh. breaking entering <laughs> for like two minutes, maybe less, probably less. With a she's a Russian hooker. Yeah, with a stronger accent than Imogen Poots. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I thought Poots was awesome. I thought she was great. I don't think that anybody could have done that accent better than her. 
an English person. So. Grades? Um, 8 out of 10. Very, very, very fun and enjoyable. I'm giving it a B, even though it, it does have a lot of contrivances, but I thought it was really fun. Okay, can I just tell you, do you know who co-wrote this film? Just after you just give me a thing. It's Peter Bogdanovich with uh, Louise Stratton. Do you recognise that surname, Cal? Oh, is it Dor- Dorothy's daughter? It, it, Louise is the younger sister of Dorothy yes. Stratton. Jesus. Who was Peter Bogdanovich's lover, <laughs> obviously. And they all laugh. And then, um, uh, eight, uh, eight, a few years later, Bogdanovich married this sister, <laughs> who was oh the, 29 God. years his junior. God. What, the younger sister? Yeah, the, the, who he's written. So this is his, ex, this is his ex-wife, who was his uh, uh, a previous lover's uh, younger sister. Wow. Hmm. Oh. Are you giving this a grade, Pete, or is it two? Have you no, seen enough of it? Um, it's two, two star. Two star. Okay. All right, so we're going to close this week by mentioning our... It's July the 1st when we're recording this, so it's a perfect time to talk about the first half of the year mm. and... Um, Give our top five films of the year. If we can. Top, if, we, if we've if we got five. <laughs> um, and our top five performances in a, any category, would you say? Yeah. Would you say? Like, oh, five okay. That makes it easier. Over the, over the four? That'll do. That makes it easier. Okay, so, uh, take away Rini, number five. Uh, best picture, number five. Uh, movies? Okay. Movies. So, uh, okay, my number five, it's um, a tiny, tiny little Greek movie. It's called Norway. Um, it's a cult movie about vampires in Greece in the 80s. Nobody's ever going to see it, so let's move on. <laughs> You've already mentioned it. Yeah, well. yeah I love it. Cool. Pete? Come back to me. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the prep. It's Microsoft Word not loading. <laughs> no, no. no. I've got, to, I've got to, I, I was doing, I was doing it earlier, and uh, I didn't, don't have enough of a certain grade, so I've got to go and have a quick look now. Oh God, okay. My number five is she's funny that way. Hey. Narrowly beating out a film that will probably be in a Reedy's top five. Mm-hmm. Oh. But, um, I like Bogdanovich. I like the screwball tendency, so this, this appealed to me a little more. Um. And I, it's the kind of film that I would buy on DVD. So even though it's not going to make my top ten, it's probably going to be in the top end of my favourites of the year. Mm-hmm. Number four, Irina? Okay, so number four, I have Red Amnesia. It's a Chinese movie. It played last year in Venice about an older Chinese woman who starts receiving some weird phone calls. It's a very uh, creepy uh, movie. I really, 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 really like it. Red Amnesia. Is it? Is it, um, where's it re- been released? Uh, in China, year? in China. It played Venice last year. It, it's it been released in China, um, now, I think in April. And uh, I hope that it will find its way around the rest of the world uh, okay. the rest of the year. It's really, really good. Okie doke. Um, my number four is um, Far From The Madding Crowd. Oh, my, my, it'd be somewhere around that for me. 
Yeah, I thought it was incredibly elegant and really well acted, and it surprised me. I, I just think it's the kind of film that um, you would write off as just being, you know, oh, here come the English again with their old heritage and their <laughs> old ancient novels and can't they do anything else? Um, and then you actually watch it and you think, oh, okay, well, this is actually a story worth telling and it's got some originality and it's got some feminism to it that you don't really see in romances or at least dramatic dramatic romances much anymore. So that's my number four. Um, so my number three, uh, Hungry Hearts. Uh, have any of you seen this? No. I've heard people absolutely uh, slam this film. It's a love it or hate it movie. I personally love it. It's about a couple, uh, Adam Driver and Alba Rohrwacher. I can never say her name properly. Uh, it's by an Italian director, Saverio Constanzo is his name. And it's about a couple. Uh, the first scene is how they meet, amazing scene. And after that, it goes downhill. They have a baby and uh, it's all about how they are trying to ra to raise this baby it's really really creepy it has it's very uh polanski ish uh okay it's uh what well, rosemary's baby yes yes uh it's you know very um psychological kevin yeah mm, kind of yes mainly it's uh, the difference of opinions between the parents i don't want to say much more because i did not expect it to go where it went, and it really freaked me out. It's 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 very very good. It's it's uh, actually, uh, I think it's a very intense movie, and I can understand the people who hate it, but I love it. It's a, certainly an extreme movie. You should watch it. It's online. <laughs> right, we'll we'll get time. Um, Pete, you have a three. Um, I'll go with A Little Chaos. Nice, sweet, does what it says in the tin. It'll do. Mm. Okay. Um, my number three is Appropriate Behaviour. Um, oh. This is the lesbian, what's the lesbian, bisexual um, woman from New York City. Uh, the actress Desiree Akavan wrote and directed the film. And it's probably not a mile away from her general persona, but I think she manages to say something really nice and intelligent about her lifestyle. And um, it's not too contrived. It's similar to Obvious Child last year, but Obvious Child was a bit more contrived. I think this feels a little bit more natural and uh, lived in. So, yeah. The stuff. Mm. Okay, my number two, Ex Machina. Was that your almost... Five? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really yeah. liked it. I it completely blew me away. I watched it and then I watched it again. You know, I walked out of the cinema and then I walked back in and watched it again. I really, really like it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's smart. It's uh it's sexy, it's uh, everything. Yeah. 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 I think it's everything. What what do you have any because I had issues with the plotting in the, um, the last, towards the end. It's another or... two of the film, obviously not. Of the years, it's obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe. Um, no, uh, well, it's obvious where it's going to go. It's inevitable where it's going to go, if that's what you mean. But no, I don't mind it, because I like the way it gets there. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Number two, Pete. Uh, Woman in Gold. Yeah. Uh, Entertaining enough, oh. uh, it's a fun time. I liked it. Okay. Um, my number two is the Duke of Burgundy. Pinastri. Uh, 
Oh god, I haven't used that one yet. Yeah, I use that the one. best. Um, I'm usually just like no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Duke of Burgundy looks incredible, it and um, just like nothing I've seen in a long, long time. And um, I think the the relationship at the center of it works. Um, maybe some of it's a little repetitive. I like how it. Um, kind of comes back in on itself how it shifts the power the power relations from where it starts out it, it you know there's a journey and it ends up it, you know coming back on itself which is uh, really cool and um, really well acted so yeah it's my number two mm-hmm. okay number one uh, my number one is uh, Kumiko the Treasure Hunter I want to uh, say that Yes, oh. I, it's, I really like it. It's a movie about obsessing about movies. It's funny. It's sad. It's, it's the definition of bittersweet. It has some uh, amazing visuals towards the end. Uh, it's, it's, it's what I want from the movies. I really, 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 really loved it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Mr. Holmes. Uh, wow. Last week we reviewed this, Irene. Oh, I really want to Freshman. see it. Mm. Yeah, it's um, uh, not quite what the, f- the film I wanted, but um, it's it's still um, well worth a look. Um, okay, my number one is Court. Um, mm. This is an Indian film about the courtroom. Uh, it's a fictional film, but it's you know it's mainly a critique of the the court, the justice system in India. Uh, it does it in a really kind of inoffensive and matter-of-fact way. And it's just it just really opened my eyes to that kind of culture. And I think it's really, really great that it's eventually been released at the cinemas. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's probably my number six. Oh. Good, good. All right, so top five performances. Any performance that anyone wants to highlight right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, can I start with two... Um, Couple performances, like from the same movie, that only work together. Um, sure. First couple okay. is Adam Driver and Alvaro Faher in uh, Hungry Hearts. They are completely the opposite of each other and they work perfectly together. Uh, very, very strong, both of them. And uh, mm. the other couple is, um, have you seen, have any of you seen Faults? Uh, Faults. No, False. Faults, yes. Okay, it's no. a movie, uh, it's uh, kind of like Martha Marcy May Marlene. It's about cults and it's a tiny American indie movie. Uh, and uh, it stars Leland Orser and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And uh, they play, um, she's been drawn into a cult and he is, uh, he's been hired by her parents to uh, drag her out of it. And uh, it's fantastic. The whole movie is their performances. They're amazing, amazing together. What they do against each other. It's really, really good. So I wanted to mention those two couples. Okay. I wanted to mention just... um, I mean, I think in terms of female performances, the best performance of the year for me is Alicia Vikander in Ex Machina. Um just because it's sort of like a Haley Joel Osment AI situation for me, mm-hmm. 
where she completely blends and completely colours your idea of what a human and what a robot is and what the limitations are. And there's a lot of intricacy involved in that role. So that would be the best female performance of the year, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. I've got one from each category, actually, and then two to sort of oh. make it into the top five, if you were. Well, go for, go for leading female. Right. Uh, well, well, leading female is... Um, if I was doing this in reverse order, the least impressive one, I think, is Michael Sheen in Far From The Man In Crowd. He's my supporting actor at the moment. I just thought it was a really nice little um, uh, presence and uh, really added a lot to that wasn't necessarily there on the page. Uh, yeah, he gets a lot. You know, he gets across a lot of um, kind of inadequacy, and you know, he's not. He doesn't feel worthy of her, and you can tell that. Mm. Then actress uh, one and two, uh, Mirror in Woman in Gold, but Knudsen, Duke of Burgundy. That's the. That's pretty special. She yeah. just nails it. Yeah. The best best. Supporting actor, I would say Ed Harrison run all night. He's he's my number uh, two. Uh, you don't know. Really, really great. Best supporting actor. Mm. But I think the my favorite thing that has that has happened this year in cinema has happened in this category, and it's obviously Jason Statham in Spy. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than that. But go on. Mm. Um, and then my um, uh, supporting actress last week, uh, Hattie Morhan in uh, Mr. Holmes. Uh, that'll stay. In, that'll that'll definitely stay in the top five. Coming in at the okay. end. Okay. Okay. I would say from this week, Catherine Hahn is my number one. Although I really did like uh, Rose Byrne in Spy. <laughs> so that would be there. And best actor for me, the best performance of the year um, is Al Pacino and Danny Collins. No. Oh. Just completely and utterly terrific and you know um very all kinds of shade in that performance lots of comedy lots of drama lots of darkness in the performance and it does awesome pete would love this performance mm, i'm gonna mm. say it definitely mm. uh mine is Shernot's far from running crowd i thought he was really really good and the, t- the turnaround <laughs> no no oh, oh, the drop was the turnaround um but no i thought he was really really good in this one um uh, just uh, really again it's like the, the, root, root you can root for him well, no, no, A that <laughs> but B it's the, it's the opposite of something like Poots this week for me where um, he, I just didn't know it, the accent isn't even an issue it's just it's just there it, it, it's, it's not probably realistic but it just doesn't um, it doesn't impact on the on it at all and it's all working under the surface and I thought it was really really impressive Irene, anything else? Um, uh, no, best actor? No, it would be uh, Adam Driver from Hungry Hearts or uh, Lillian Dorser from Faults, one of those that I mentioned before. I think. So not um, uh, Robbie and Mel in uh, The Duff, then? That, is he in your top five? At the moment, yeah. Uh, he was really good, but he's not in my top five. As is Taron Egerton in Kingsman, actually. Huh. Oh my god. Yeah, it's probably just as well we didn't. I didn't say that that way. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. Um, do you want to do shag, marry, kill? On that note. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, so I would shag, as in watch of the others that I didn't see. I would go with um, uh, probably Timbuktu. I would kill. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, 
Oh, no, uh, Minions. Uh, Mary, she's funny that way, even though I didn't finish it. Yeah, she's funny that way is the easiest movie ever to marry, so obviously, marry that. Um, yeah. I would watch... I don't know, I was very interested in the way you described The Longest Ride, so <laughs> I would chuck that <laughs> easily. <laughs> and I, I don't want to kill... I don't want to kill a Pigeon, but uh, I think it's uh, thematically appropriate. I think it would enjoy being killed. <laughs> Is there a word for that? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, Euthan- euthanize okay. it? I don't know. <laughs> God. Um, I would marry. She's funny that way. I would shag the longest ride and I'd kill Pigeon. Mm. In mm. fact, I'd I'd get about 10 metres away with a little uh, <laughs> s- air gun. Poof! No, I can't say I'm a vegetarian. Maybe bust a cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Pootsition this week. Poots in the Pootsition this week. Mm. It's an easy one for because uh, she's not she's not brunette in this. <laughs> so it's a Pootsition of one with some um, Hathaway action for um, Aniston. What about Catherine Hahn? Hathaway? Potential... Oh, Parks and Recreation, yes. Hmm. I believe Catherine Hahn has been a yes. Maybe in, um... Walter Mitty? Uh, no, no, not in Walter Mitty. I think it was just... I think I just probably said it was in, uh... Um... In Parks and Rec, she would be, yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um... Right. The Garrett Gage... So we start with the longest ride. Well, <laughs> yep. I got well. Yeah, the two, longer the better for me. <laughs> two point zero. <laughs> <laughs> nobody in Pigeon. Nobody in Timbuktu. Owen Wilson never would have been. No. Reese Ifan never would have been. Um. So it's two point zero mm-hmm. from the range. Yeah. Um. Uh, we have a website, it's moveforpodcast.com. You can check out all our grids, all our episodes ever. Twitter, at moveforpodcast. Facebook, we're in the mood for podcast. iTunes, etc. Next week, we have the Chan Cakes. Oh, Magic Mike XXL. Yeah. Uh, Pete, which Pete's obviously seen. What's <laughs> <laughs> their opening night for the first one? Oh, what? You, you and the, the housewives of Birmingham. No, there's the podcast title. <laughs> we also have Terminator Genesis mm. in the way that God um, would, would not have approved of the spelling. Mm. Um, we have Comet, which is a romantic Oh, I've comedy. seen that one. Emmy Rossum and Justin Long. It's pretty, very, very, very pretty. We have Amy, the Amy Winehouse documentary. Nope. No. <laughs> and uh, we've got a horror comedy called Housebound as well. So we'll see mm. what happens next week. Mm. Has anyone got a jam? Uh, it's not a new song, but uh, Figure It Out by uh, Royal Blood. I've been listening to some Joni Mitchell lately, so I'm thinking 
<laughs> I've seen so current. Um, California by Johnny Mitchell. Really? Um, not really. No, I'm bankrupt. No time for music. <laughs> Get your 60 euros spent, Rini, for God's sake. I'll spend them, right, I'll spend them on the movies. Ooh, I can't go any further than this. Ooh, I want you so badly. It's my biggest wish. Cool, I spend my time just thinking, thinking, thinking about you. Every single day, guess I'm really missing, missing you. And all those things we used to, used to, used to, used to do. Hey girl, what's up? It used to, used to be just me and you. I spend my time just thinking, thinking, thinking about you. Every single day, guess I'm really missing, missing you. And all those things we used to, used to, used to do. Hey girl, what's up? Yo, what's up? 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 What's up